Lloyd with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's major league soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's major league soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets a crossing. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is episode 39 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network again for all the latest information, news, analysis on the world of women's soccer. Go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com. Also, check us out on Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network, and on Twitter, at Girls Soccer Net. We also have a YouTube channel as well, Girls Soccer Network. Check us out there. Also, if you love this podcast, be sure to share it, subscribe to it, let us all know what you think, leave us a review on iTunes, wherever that may be, Spotify. If you want to play specific episodes, all you need to do is tell Siri to play the specific show name, Give and go, play your newest podcast, play by a specific episode, or to subscribe. You can tell Siri to do it directly. You don't even need to do it manually. So whatever is the best way for you to do that, please do that. We we really greatly appreciate it. Things that are going to be covered in today's episode. Of course, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Of course, it is Black History Month. That's what we're going to get into first. But of course, we have some other news from around the world of women's soccer, the NWSL, FAWSL, W League, all types of great stuff going on. The draft wrapped up, so we'll see which players have joined rosters, preseason rosters for the upcoming season. So much to unpack and discuss. The She Believes Cup as well. It's going to be a great competition. All of that coming up right now. Keep it locked. So the first thing I want to focus on before we get into the other soccer stuff is Black History Month. And, of course, Black Lives Matter, but what it means to grow up here in America having gotten a different type of history. First off, the fact that we only get one month is not nearly enough. We also got a whitewashed version of history. Whatever was written in our textbooks, whatever you have currently in your textbooks today, in the history books, whatever was written, they were controlled. They controlled the narrative, right? And when it was white people who took the land away from the Native Americans and continued their taking of things from others, they were able to control the narrative of how our history sounds and how we consume it. A couple small sections on the Harlem Renaissance and and people like Langston Hughes, Maya Angelou, that's great. But there are so many other things in black culture that are not highlighted enough. And it deserves way more considering the amount of black culture we have in our society today and how much it's used, it needs to be appreciated more. So this month is not enough, but again, be conscious of some of the history you've consumed. Here's a fun fact for you. One in four cowboys in the wild, wild west were actually black, but African-American cowboys are rarely seen in pop culture. That right there is something I want you to take a look at. Every single cowboy, when you think of, you think of western white guy. That's just a fact. That is just a fact. And then if you go and watch a show like Watchmen on HBO that tells that story, that tells that piece of African-American history, watch that. Watch whatever you can consume books. Still, we must continue to educate ourselves as best as we possibly can in order to understand. So I implore you, it behooves you to continually look past what we are given in school. Look past that. Right, You have access to information that you can control yourself. That's the first fact of the matter that we wanted to discuss. After that, right, we will get into the She Believes Cup. We will get into the NWSL season upcoming. But first, we have a very special interview with a someone whose story we all know very well, Jessica McDonald, having overcome what she's overcome, and just overall her message of being resilient and consistently never giving up ever ever one of the more accomplished players we have has achieved everything that's needed to be achieved whether it be national titles in north carolina nwsl titles with the north carolina courage and now a world title with the u.s women's national team 
So she's currently working with a company called Soccer Resilience as a partner, pushing the idea of giving players mental training and help that they need in order to succeed and become the best version of themselves. So we've got that interview coming for you right now. What you're going to hear is going to be centered around Soccer Resilience, Black History Month, and her upcoming endeavors for the rest of her career. So without further ado, here it is, guys. Enjoy the J-Mac interview. Great. It was a tremendous opportunity being able to speak with her. Here you go, guys. So Jessica, how are you? How has your time been during the pandemic so far? So far, it's definitely been a learning process. I've, I've learned a lot throughout this, this pandemic, um, especially adjusting to, to a whole new life. Obviously, the, it affected everybody globally, and it, it's definitely been an adjustment, but it's definitely been like a learning process as well. It's, it's been really cool to, to learn new things and, and different things as well. And so as part of this during the pandemic, you've um, joined a new organization called Soccer Resilience. Tell us more about the vision that you guys have and what your role is with Soccer Resilience. Yeah, so um, my agent, he likes to send me over, you know, websites to different companies and things like that to invite, you know, be willing to kind of jump on board with a partnership. And he came across Soccer Resilience because obviously he, he knew my personality really well and it knew this would be a good fit for me. But jumping into this, I wasn't expecting to be a business partner and for them to, you know, bring me in as, as an equal, I was very surprised but excited at the same time because what Soccer Resilience is all about is it's definitely my, my bread and butter. And so with that being said, I, I love the, the mission and, and the core values that this company is, is about. And... Obviously, you know, we, we put human beings first and, you know, we, we want to help people work on, on the mental part of things because, you know, it's not something everybody talks about. It's not something everybody trades for themselves. And so that's kind of what we're here for. And so it is to help with the, the mental competitive part of sports or just working with their minds in general. And so every athlete you know, who trains their brain are able to reach their full potential. That's kind of the vision here. And so that's what we want to help with. And I wish that was something that I had access to, you know, early in age as an athlete, but I'm happy to kind of pay it forward a little bit and, and help out with that side of the game and, you know, that side of things for people because, you know, it's just not something that's always, uh, we've spoken about how how to deal with stress, how to deal with you know the outside noise in your life, and being able to apply your your full focus onto the field or or in real life in general. And so um, this is literally one of the coolest missions that I've ever been on in, in my entire life. And I was very grateful to to jump on board with this. And um, yeah, so I'm just looking forward to see how the future is going to look for for soccer resilience. It sounds like a really exciting endeavor. And what are some of the, the services you guys provide that will specifically help out athletes and teams alike? Yeah, so we have our, our core values, which is one of them being uh, grit, resilience in general. You know, we, we want to help people be, you know, more courageous, passionate, and, and resilient obviously. And so one thing that, you know, we have to deal with is, you know, resilience in our lives. And so coming out of that, how, how do you teach going through that and coming out of it? Well, you know, one thing that you have to do is embrace it. And so that's what, you know, we kind of want to help teach and, and, and help people with is, is embracing, you know, the setbacks and how you come out of it is, what's going to define you as, as a person, as, as your character in general. And um, another core value is compassion. We, we want to show compassion first, you know, be, be empathic towards, towards others. And so, and, and you need self-compassion as well. And so um, I'm, I'm just like 
super excited about the core values of this group. And so the other the other few core values is, you know, we have to treat treat people that they're just more than an athlete. You know, they're, they're human beings first, athletes second. And, um, you know, we have to we have to tell them and let them know that, you know, you're more than just athletes. And so that's where emotional growth on and off the field are, are going to be able to piece together. And two more core values that we're about are we are better together, the whole, the whole team, um, you know, and I think with the different personalities that we have on soccer resilience, it's going to be very helpful for everybody, um, whether parents, coaches, the athletes themselves, you know, I, I think it's, it's very, very good when everyone, you know, on on the same page, you're you're better together. And so, um, our last core value is servant leadership. You know, just being a little more humble and, and encouraging. And um, you know, we we have to we're on board to serve others. That's that's kind of where we're at. You know, we we are servants first, and we want to serve people. You know, our knowledge on how to handle stressful situations and, and things like that. And so do you feel like those core values, that idea of serving, is what makes Soccer Resilience stand out, make it unique and special from other organizations? Absolutely. And the main reason for it is because we, we do love people more than we love our position that service. And so, yeah, we, we are here to serve people because we love people. And that's the, the type of difference that we want to make in people's lives. That's awesome. And what's the best way for people to contact you guys for those wanting to team up with Soccer Resilience? Yeah, just go to SoccerResilience.com or any of our social medias, Twitter, Soccer Resilience, with a T at the end, and um, Facebook and Instagram are at Soccer Resilience. Okay, great. That's awesome. We definitely need more organizations like Soccer Resilience out there, so we're excited to see what you guys what you guys bring. Um, it's very exciting. I just want to switch gears. Uh, of course, it's Black History Month. I believe it's your birthday month as well, Team Pisces. Um, what, what is it about um, Black History Month that makes it so special? What is it? How is it important to you and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think that with with Black History in general, I feel like we, we lack teaching it in school. And so just as an African American here in the U.S., I feel like I've been kind of deprived of, you know, the historical part of, of being black here in the U.S. And so with Black History Month, it's just a reminder of where we came from and how hard we worked to kind of dig through the hole that, you know, that was kind of dug for us and kind of climbing out of that just as African-American people. And so that's how beautiful of a journey it has been for African-Americans. Obviously, we still have a lot of room to, to grow unity-wise, you know, as a country. But with that being said, I think with Black History Month kind of giving us that reminder, like, hey, this is important. These are things that we need to know about our history. So, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's just such a beautiful month to, to be able to celebrate being Black. It is my, my birth month as well, though. Yeah. That's carry on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, now you mentioned be kind of being deprived of that experience, but was there anyone who did inspire you when you got the opportunity to, to study the history? Yeah, absolutely. So when I stepped on campus um, at University of North Carolina, that's when I more so learned about black history. Of course, I got plenty of stories from my grandmother on hand, but when you're talking about the history of, of the United States of America for black people... It, 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 you get the different story when it comes to, you know, more in-depth education about it. And so I, I learned a lot more when I got to the University of North Carolina and learning that slaves built our school and there was so much more in-depth about the school and black history. So that was kind of where I probably learned the most, the most about black history was during my time at UNC. And considering the, the world we live in now, uh, and, and including the Black Lives Matter movement, how critical is it that we keep it in the forefront, keep it fresh in people's minds? Because Black History Month will pass, and it almost kind of feel like people tend to forget about it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that has been um, talked about more often than it ever has in history. 
And probably because, you know, our world kind of came to a halt due to COVID and, you know, we, we relied so much on the internet and things like that. And so I think with this, with these generations from millennials to generation X, Z, you know, et cetera, we are the most educated generations, you know, in, in history. And so people know right from wrong, you know, and I think with how things have been going, um, you know, they're kind of messing with the wrong generation right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that this is going to be a fight for a long time as long as we keep the conversation going, as long as we still support black lives and supporting black businesses, organizations, nonprofit organizations, that's what's going to help this country kind of mend itself from, you know, all of the inequality that's been going on here. So just conversation and being able to, to support all races here in the United States. I want to um, shift over now to to your career. We got the season coming back. Um, from a career perspective, though, overall, what are you looking to achieve now? You won a national championship in North Carolina, multiple, I believe, then multiple titles with the Courage. Now, a world champion with the USA. What's what's next for you? Yeah, I just want to continue to have fun. You know, um, people keep asking me that. What's next? Is that what else you can really do in your career? Well, yeah, there is. I want to continue to have fun. I want to continue to break barriers with with my current girls and to see if we could continue to improve as a team. And um, I just want, I I can't wait to see the success of of this season amongst the NWSL, especially with Louisville coming on board. We have Kansas City, you know, back on board. And then, you know, in the future, we have more teams coming on board. So I'm just looking forward to how well this this league has truly improved. And so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And obviously, I have soccer resilience. You know, that that's my other career. And so um, I just want to help continue to create change, especially amongst our youth. That's, that's kind of a goal of mine is to, you know, help others and, and give back. And, um, you know, those are, those are kind of my goals this year. And, you know, you mentioned breaking barriers with your Courage Girls. What can we expect from you guys this year, considering there's moving pieces, some key players have moved in and out? I'm sure you'll have your fair share of doubters, even though we've learned not to do that with the Courage. What can we expect from you guys this year? Oh, we will will have the same personality coming into this season as we always have in history. And so they can definitely expect the same personality coming from the Courage from the past years into this year as well. We have new personalities and we have welcomed them with open arms. They're adjusting really well to our environment and to exactly what this team is about. And I'm just, I'm super excited to see what these new faces are gonna do for the Courage because we put in such hard work and I can't wait to see it pay off in the end. And lastly, what is your advice to the young girls out there trying to make their dreams a reality through soccer? know that your life journey isn't in a straight line. There's nothing easy about wanting to achieve anything. You know, there's no such thing as success without failure. So just know that your life journey is going to be a whole crooked line. It's going to be a roller coaster, but in the end, it's going to pay off. You, you learn and you grow when you fail and when you lose, because you know not to repeat that cycle again. Mm-hmm. There are going to be setbacks, but it's how you come out of those setbacks is what's truly going to define you as a person, as a character, as an athlete, as a human being. So just know that it's going to take hard work day in and day out. The mental game is very important, just as much as the physical. So work on your mental game as well as your physical part of the game. And no doubt about it, Again, that was Jessica McDonald of Soccer Resilience to North Carolina Courage. Again, what an inspiration and what she is doing and what Soccer Resilience is doing is something that we need to continually emphasize more and more. If you can get your mental game right, everything else will fall into place. If you can consistently perform and get yourself to perform at the highest level, right? Soccer resilience can help you do that by strengthening your mind, but mental training is just as important as the physical side of the game. Do not forget that. All right. Again, check out Soccer Resilience at SoccerResilience.com. The She Believes Cup is right around the corner. 
the U.S. women's national team will have Canada, Brazil, and now Argentina has been added to the competition. Japan, due to COVID restrictions and some issues that they're having, will not be able to join this year, which makes the She Believes Cup competition a little bit easier, I think, this year for the, the U.S. women's national team to, in all likelihood, capture the trophy, because when you had England and Japan, along with Brazil... It definitely, in years past, made things a little more interesting, but now the field, this is just another, it should be more of another tune-up opportunity considering where Brazil and Argentina are at. The matchup with Canada is one, of course, that we will always, always be there to watch, but when you look at the numbers overall, in the overall series rivalry, the U.S. has dominated Canada, even though they might play in close games. Let's take a look at some of the rosters. Jane Campbell, of course, Casey Murphy, Alyssa Nair, the three goalkeepers. It's big for Casey Murphy being included into this roster here. Really kind of announcing her arrival, and we'll also get into how she signed with the Courage. That's a huge move for them. But you look at those players coming into the side, that's big. Alana Cook getting a nice opportunity coming over from PSG. Uh, the back line looks relatively the same. Done. Dal Kemper, O'Hara, and then Davidson with Sauerbrunn, who was named the captain. That was made quite a big deal. Um, not quite sure why. I, I know everyone loved the fact that Becky Sauerbrunn is captain. We kind of knew she was captain, so, I mean, she's the best, one of the best players. Yet it was turned into, turned into a bigger story when, I mean, we know what she can do. So, not much of a surprise there. Emily Sonnet who has been showing that she's back and, and playing some of her best soccer as well, coming back from Sweden. Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Katarina Macario making her debut in those friendlies against Colombia, getting to see what she can do now, going up against... That's going to be an interesting matchup if Vladko decides to put in Macario against the Brazilians, her former country that she is technically spurning. In this case, I don't think many will complain that she is spurning Brazil because, again, she came to the United States for a greater opportunity. But at the same time, there's definitely got to be some kind of tension there between Macario and the other Brazilians when they're going to go toe-to-toe. And then, of course, you have the Mewis sisters, Mewtwo, as I like to say, or not as I like to say, as social media has dubbed it. Sophia Smith will be an interesting wild card, but I mean, they're loaded. I mean, they, they, they're they bringing in everyone. Carly Lloyd, Kristen Press, Megan Rapinoe, Lynn Williams. So this is everyone who you're expecting to see here. And for the United States, I think, of course, you're expecting them to dominate. Midge Purse. It's a loaded roster for Vladko. He has an embarrassment of riches, and the question is not whether the United States will lose or not. It's when will Vladko lose his first game as manager? Because you don't, I don't see them losing for for some time. It would take some Herculean effort from one of the big teams in one of the bigger competitions. We'll see the Olympics this summer if if they can get it done. But that's probably the closest opportunity Vladko might come to losing that that first zero next to his his record because they've been flawless uh, so far. So looking into the She Believes Cup, expect more of the same. I don't think you're going to see much deviation. You might see the rosters and the lineups be shuffled for each different game. So we might have different starters, which could impact the results. But overall, very solid team. Not much to be worried about, I think you're going to see Alyssa Nair in net for sure uh, as the number one, and it's it's going to be a, a very good roster that I don't think anyone can beat. Moving on, though, Brazil. Brazil has some players now. They are on the up and up still, even though they might not be in the same place that they once were. Of course, you're going to get Marta, all right, Andresinha, Formiga, Christian, all right, those four are their four veterans. Dabinia as well, excuse me. How could I forget Dabinia? Those five are amazing. And then you have Ludmila, who cracked the Guardians' top 100 list this year for Atletico Madrid. Another fun player who could wreak some havoc. Camila also has played in the NWSL as well. So again, Brazil has some players. It's just defensively, they're very beatable. And that's kind of the problem. When you still have Formiga playing, no knock on Formiga. She's still doing it, 40 plus years old. She's looking like she might play till she's 50 at this rate. I mean, but the fact that they still have yet to, to replace her or find anyone of that caliber to be there in the side to replace her, 
you know, it's going to be an uphill climb for for Brazil. Again, the the Brazil Argentina game, I think, will be their chance to get the most amount of results. Moving to the Canadians, and the Canadians again have a very very solid roster as always. Stephanie LeBay or Kaylin Sheridan, two great keepers. Take your pick between Kadisha Buchanan and Bianca St. George's. Those two in defense are great. Shalina Zadorsky hasn't played to that level, I feel like, that she's been asked to play. Alicia Chapman, longtime veteran. Fun to see players like Julia Grosso, Samantha Chang, Jordan Listro, Jesse Fleming. Well, Jesse Fleming is, is great in her own right. But to see Samantha Chang out of the University of South Carolina in college getting the call up. Diana Matheson, longtime veteran. Sophie Schmidt, longtime veteran. Desiree Scott, Janine Becky. Adriana Leone, Nichelle Prince, very experienced. Christine Sinclair. But then look at the youth sprinkled in here. Deanne Rose got drafted by the Courage. Evelyn Viennes, who we saw briefly pop up for Sky Blue. And then Jordan Huitma, who is, of course, the, the tallies woman. So if she can get in behind the USA defense, she could cause some problems. And that matchup, that USA-Canada matchup, is going to be one to watch for sure. Cannot wait. Cannot, cannot wait. All right. Our focus shifts to the NWSL now. Preseason rosters have been released. Schedule has come out, or at least dates have been picked for the upcoming events and scheduling. So let's go into that really quickly. The NWSL Challenge Cup is set to begin April 9th, 2021. Of course, they report to camp February 1st. That was a couple days ago. Following the Challenge Cup, they will play in a 24-game regular season starting May 15th. So, we are getting there. May 15th is when the season will start. There will be no break for the Olympic Games and will conclude in October. So, there's more details to come on the Challenge Cup format as well as the regular season. But, I love this. Love what the NWSL are doing. This is such a unique opportunity here because you're using the challenge cup almost like a preseason but it still has the gravity of a cup the gravity of a knockout competition the stakes are high still so you're giving players a chance to get back up to speed while still putting something at stake whereas in all the other sports when you have a preseason normally right before the pandemic preseasons are more for the players than they are for the fans uh, it's more for the players and the teams and coaches to get themselves back into the swing of things, shake the rust off, and, and get back into it. But now we have the Challenge Cup coming in April. Oh man, can't wait. Can't wait. All 10 teams too, including Louisville. It's going to be really, really exciting, man. Really, really exciting. Now let's get into the preseason rosters. Some key additions here or there that could make this upcoming season an even more interesting one. First things first, I think we have to start with the Red Stars because what they did after the draft, they continually are saying, we're going to go all in with the core of players that we have. And you have to look at their core of players and that, that window of opportunity, as we say in sports, to win a championship may slowly, not slowly be closing. I want to go that far with Chicago because they, again, they have some they are so deep and so good. This window of opportunity with this core of players, that's why you make the trade for Mallory Pugh. That is exactly why you go and do it to try and say, hey, we see what we have here. We're going to continually go for it. And that's what you love to see a team just deciding, hey, we're going to go all in and we're going to make this happen. Because you look at Chicago's team, man, and there's not many holes in it compared to before. There aren't many holes. They bolstered their attack even more. You're looking at Mallory Pugh, assuming she is at her best. They brought her along Sarah Lubert rather well. You have Kaylee Watt, Katie Johnson, Rachel Hill, who they like a lot. And Alyssa Mounts, her return cannot be understated enough. You want to talk about team player, but is deadly in front of goal and can do it all. Mounts is such an important player for Chicago. So... Their attack is going to be great. Then you look at the midfield. This is why you go and, again, trade for Mallory Pugh because this midfield core that you have is not going to be around forever. Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Julie Ertz, Morgan Gotrat, or Morgan Bryan as we used to know her, 
Nikki Stanton, and Sarah Waldmo. They have six midfielders. Six. And you can pick and choose who you want. But going and trading for Sarah Waldmo along with Matt, like, I cannot tell you what that means. And you can just tell they're preparing not only for the Olympics this year with players that they're going to lose, but they're just so deep. And they're in it for the long haul this year. So Chicago is going to be, again, in the discussion, going for the Community Shield or Supporter Shield and going for the title as well. Up next, Houston. Oh, man. Houston, of course, the darlings of 2020. And what can you say about them other than they were incredible? And can they carry it over? Um, I think the addition of Gabby Seiler coming over from, from Portland, I think, is a good one. You already have players like Brie Vasali, and they have a solid front five or five attackers, Rachel Daly, Veronica Latsko, Nichelle Prince, Katie Stengel, and Jamia Fields. Great options to choose from. The question is, does Houston have the depth for the entire season? I think that's, again, still the issue, and I know it's crazy to be doubting them still because they've proven it, but Challenge Cup is only over a set period of time. You need this core of players They've re-signed them all. They've brought them back. So they're in it, right? They Similar to Chicago, they're in it with this core. This is the team that they want to use to build. And between Shea Groom and Christine Nairn and, and Mewis and those players, they have a great situation to work with. It's can they do it consistently in this upcoming season with, again, all the question marks going forward. What can Houston bring? And can they do it every single week? Can they pick up enough points to be towards the top. That's what's going to be fun to see this season. Kansas City, of course, they're just essentially absorbing the Utah Royals roster, so not many crazy changes here when you look at it. Chloe Legarzo coming in is is a good veteran move for them. Victoria Pickett is one of the draftees out of the University of Wisconsin who will be joining, it appears. So between... Desiree Scott as well, again, who's the Canadian international. So we have a couple experienced players here for Utah. We know what it is with them. It's just a question of can they do it consistently? Because we know what they're capable of with Amy Rodriguez continually turning back the clock, proving everyone wrong. Darian Jenkins, they just traded for from the rain. So she figures to to factor in as well, but no Kristen Press now. So Utah is in a bit of a tough spot now. Things are going to get real, real tough with no Kristen Press. Going to be interesting to see whether they band together and become even closer without her and just rally around each other and become an even tougher team to beat, or it's going to be tough sledding for them this year looking at the roster because it's, it's not... Exactly, the, the youngest either. Nicole Barnhart still doing it. Abby Smith, solid. But are they what's going to get you into the playoffs? I'm not necessarily sure. So Kansas City also has their work cut out for them going into this year, I believe. Of course, the courage. How could we forget the courage? Again, earlier you just heard Jessica McDonald talk about soccer resilience and the courage this year, what to expect. Again, they're, they're coming. They will be in the hunt again. I mean, just when you think you want to count them out because they lose Sam Ewis, here's what they have still. You still have Kristen Hamilton, Jessica McDonald's, and Lynn Williams up front to push the tempo. You still have that, which is great. You add Haley Mace. She's a really, really good player. You still have Denise O'Sullivan, and you still have Dabinia. That's probably their only major weakness. They're not the deepest in midfield, and that's where uh, the courage can be exploited. But got things short up in the net, that's for sure. Signing Casey Murphy and getting Carson Pickett. Those two moves are going to significantly help because you saw the courage lose Jaylene Daniels to retirement. Merritt Mathias is coming back from injury. That back line has question marks. So getting a player of the stature of Carson Pickett to go with Abby Urseg and Merritt Mathias and an experienced player like Lindsay Agnew, they will still be in the playoff race. I don't know where exactly they finish. They might not be the top team. They might finish second. Or maybe they surprise us all all over again. And yeah, that would be that would be great if that was the case. But yeah, moving on to the OL Reign and 
the rain have uh, again some question marks, but they found a way to make some moves in the off season and in key areas in attack specifically. They said, "Look, <laughs> Bethany Balser. They trade for the rookie Ziara King, who had a great year in Utah. That was a great trade for them. Sophia Huerta, Megan Rapino." Jasmine Spencer, so they got solid talent. And then the addition of Allie Watt, who's coming off that major leg injury. Leah Pruitt as well, who they got from the Courage. They have young talent to go with the older talent. So I think that makes them an interesting team. Plus in the midfield as well, you're looking at Morgan Andrews, Jess Fishlock, Shirley Cruz, Allie Long, Kristen McNabb, Danny Weatherholt. They have a bunch of experience in the midfield as well. There is no reason why the rain should not be a top four team with the additions they've made in year two as they start to bring this team together lauren barnes amber brooks stephanie cox solid the only question is in that now you trade away casey murphy you're stuck with cassette morsh who i think was a draft pick of theirs from a year prior or of years past and a couple other players like they're going to be weak at goalkeeper this year and they need to find a replacement asap I'm a little surprised they didn't get Caitlin Rowland or someone else back in the deal to help them out. Moving on, the pride, the pride. Now, finally, finally, we can say they've made moves to better improve their situation. Of course, you have Ashlyn Harrison Nett with her wife, Allie Krieger. Allie Riley getting to play her first minutes, plus Tony Presley. So the back line is going to be super experienced. Super, super experienced. But again, depth throughout the entire year will be a factor. Um, the addition of Maggie Doherty Howard from the Spirit is a good one. Gunny Yon's daughter, who used to be with the Royals, another great addition. I think another interesting addition was the signing of Erica Timrak, who took a year off. Former NWSL Rookie of the Year, won titles with Kansas City. I think she brings a much-needed bit of creativity, talent, and experience and veteran leadership to the locker room. And then, of course, the addition of Sydney LaRue signing. Sydney LaRue and also Jody, Jody Taylor from The Rain. They signed LaRue to a multi-year contract. We don't know about Alex Morgan yet, and that question mark. What can Marta bring? Of course, she's going to bring it, right? LaRue, Marta, and Jody Taylor. Like, making moves like getting a Tim, Erica Timrak, getting a Jody Taylor. Adding those players makes all the difference in the world when you're trying to build a team team. So, I think between them and LaRue, this, this team, this Orlando team might surprise this year. Because... This might be the time Mark Skinner and, and that organization, they've been building towards something. And you can tell this is what they're building towards with a player like Marissa Vigiano, who is such a major part of that team now. A player who they drafted, who they've been able to develop and bring along. So Orlando, going to be a fun team to watch this upcoming season, I think. I think they're going to be a mid-table team. They will be pushing for that top four spot, potentially, based on... Who is going to be the goal scorer for them this year? Alrighty, the Portland Thorns. Now, they were awfully busy, and they have put together, an, again, a top team that is in that discussion. We say it every year, right? The Courage, Red Stars, and Thorns, those three teams have been the gold standard. And before the Houston Dash broke into that top four this year, the Portland Thorns are set in goal between Bella Bixby and Adriana French. The signing of Natalia Cuica, the Finnish international, made also made the top 100 of the Guardian list. So for them to casually add a top 100 player in the world to their roster like that uh, when no one was really paying attention, <laughs> yo, uh, well done on their end. You, of course, still have Becky Sauerbrunn. And Emily Menges, Kelly Hubley, and Klingenberg, but they're not the deepest. With Kristen Westfall as well, Maddie Pogarsh, they're not the deepest at the back. But again, have the talent there. The addition of Crystal Dunn. Oh, oh my God. What are we going to do? <laughs> and are we going to see Dunn in attack mode? Are we going to see her up front in the central attacking position to go with Ceres Bure, Lindsay Haran, Rocky Rodriguez, Angela Salem, and Christine Sinclair? 
Those six are nasty. That is a nasty, nasty team. The midfield, um, deep, and you can play anyone. So yeah, and then of course you have the forwards. They've brought along Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver to be the players up front. And then Simone Charlie has come along really nicely as well. Really, really nicely. So you look at the Thorns and the way that they played in the last competition you'd have to think they're going to be in that top three discussion as well. If I had to create some kind of hierarchy, I might put Chicago one, I might put the Thorns two, and then the Courage three. Or you could flip-flop the Thorns and and Red Stars. It's entirely up to you. It's going to be that close. We look at Louisville now, the new new team, the the new squad in town. And again, getting Michelle Betos... Uh, is going to be great right off the bat to help Katie Lund either be the number one starter and adjust or have Betos right off the bat. That's solid for them. Additions of Julia Ashley, Addison Merrick through the expansion draft was critical. Kaylee Real, Emily Fox, the number one pick in the draft. So they will have a nice young core to work with at the back. Can they develop them and bring them along is going to be a whole other story. Looking at the midfield, they bring in Lauren Millier from the Courage through the expansion draft. Taylor Otto was a nice draft pick. But again, you're looking at that midfield, and it is not pretty. It is not pretty. Unfortunately, like they need more, and you're banking on players like Tobin Heath and Kristen Press to come back into the side, but you have no idea if that's going to happen or not. In attack, however... Louisville has acquired quite a few assets here. You have Savannah McCaskill, Yuki Nagasato, CeCe Kaiser, Shayna Matthews, Katie McClure, and the draft pick, Amina Ekic, who went to the University of Louisville. So they have a ton of riches in the forward position. They clearly want to play an attacking brand of football, but do they have enough in the midfield to help themselves out? That's going to be a tough, tough question when you look at the the preseason roster for Louisville, that midfield is going to get gashed if they don't have a proper strategy in place to try and maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses. All right, last two teams, Sky Blue FC. I I would love to put Sky Blue in the top four this year with the moves that Elisa Hugh continues to make. She just continues like to work the draft and, and do the job of GM so flawlessly. I mean, it's just like everyone should be taking notes on how it's done. You're looking at, of course, Kaylin Sheridan and Nett, and then you have two solid backups in Mandy McGlynn and, and Didi Haracic. Uh, then you look at the back line, Imani Dorsey at the back. I mean, we don't like that, but what can you do? Uh, Caprice Didasco coming back from injury is good. Sabrina Flores gave them great minutes. Mandy Freeman, Estelle Johnson, Levadowski, and Skrosky are all veterans, so they're just, they're solid at the back. You look at, in the midfield, they Bring back Jennifer Cujo. You have Nahomi Kawasumi, Domi Richardson, and then, of course, McCall Zerboni. Is there enough depth there is the question. I don't know if there's enough depth for Sky Blue in the midfield. They will need to add more. Giving up Sarah Woldmo to Chicago and Mallory Pugh is big losses, but they got the draft picks. They got what they needed for the future. And then, of course, an attack. They're They're pretty much set between... Michaela Howell, Carly Lloyd, of course, Paige Monahan, who is looking to be like the new star player once Lloyd retires. Then, of course, you have Midge Purse, Evelyn Viennes, and Ifeoma Onumanu, who all played well and gave great minutes. So if you're Sky Blue, you're in a great spot to build on this roster, especially going forward with the draft picks and what money consideration that Elise LeHue worked in the trade. So they're going to be in the mix. Maybe Sky Blue, Houston should be the fourth team, but Sky Blue and Orlando will be in the mix as well, I think. And Washington now, the Spirits are going to be also in the mix, you'd have to think, because Richie Burke also is building something very interesting over there. And they're a fun group to watch. They know what their identity is. They built it and created it that way. Aubrey Bledsoe in net, top three keeper in the league, top ten keeper in the world, no doubt. Sam Staub, Paige Nielsen, that center back pairing is going to be critical the rest of the way. I mean, they're 
that's their center back pairing it and if they're successful then the spirit will be successful and then you have now the addition of kelly o'hara and emily sonnet at right and left back i mean yo that's a pretty great back line for the spirit something they haven't had quite some time when you look at building it from the back first midfield of course is stanford influenced with jordan dibiase andy sullivan and then the veteran Tori Houston, who's been doing it for so long. Dorian Bailey and Bailey Feist are solid players as well. You look at the strikers, of course, Kumi Yokoyama added a whole nother wrinkle. Whole nother wrinkle to them. Love what she brings to the table. Ashley Hatch, of course, not quite living up to what, what's expected of her. And then Ashley Sanchez, of course, the highly touted future star for the spirit up front. And then trinity rodman the youngster wow that's gonna be quite the fun situation to monitor and watch again the youngest player to enter to enter the league getting a head start to learn right away and just jump right in spirit will also be in the mix for that top four spot but do they have enough goal scoring prowess to to sneak in i don't know we will have to find out and see our focus shifts to the FAWSL, the Barclays Women's Super League. A title-defining clash took place, Manchester City versus Arsenal. City winning 2-1, Lauren Hemp, the 20-year-old, scoring in the 79th minute to give them the win. And at this point, it all but knocks Arsenal out of the title race when you look at the table, which is pretty shocking to see that. With more than a game in hand, they're almost, I think, eight or nine points off the lead. It's looking like a three-team race with Manchester City, Manchester United, and Chelsea at the top. But you might have to take Manchester United, unfortunately, out of the race as well. I hate to say it. I really, really do. Tobin Heath picked up an ankle injury uh, recently in training and is out 10 to 12 weeks. So that's, what, three months that puts everything in jeopardy, not just for Manchester United, but Louisville return, even if that happens, a U.S. women's national team return for the Olympics. doesn't look like any of that's happening for Tobin Heath in her future anytime soon, and it puts her Manchester United future in doubt as well. So three months, a brutal loss for them, and I don't think they have enough as a team, unfortunately, to hang on to that lead towards the top or to stay there with Manchester City and Chelsea. Those two, once again, are going to be going toe-to-toe, but Chelsea might just run away with it. I mean, Chelsea with Pernille Harder. When Pernille Harder is, has figured out how to combine with players like G and Sam Kerr and everyone else, it's over for everyone. Fran Kirby is back playing some of her best soccer as well. So Chelsea is looking like they're going to run away with the league this year, but City will have something to say about that. I, th- I think at the end of the day... Chelsea look like the best team. Emma Hayes and Denise Reddy have done an incredible job. We got the opportunity to to listen to them speak, actually, at the National Coaching Convention, which was done virtually this year, and seeing how in-depth they go, how precise and how meaningful everything is. Everything has purpose, down to the practices, down to... And I mean, of course, you'd expect this everywhere, right? But I mean... In terms of collecting stats, how players train, never doing things the same way, constantly keeping things in flux, constant self-improvement, trying ways to better improve efficiency. All of that is being done over at Chelsea. And so kudos to them and what they're doing. I would be surprised if they did not run away with the Barclays Women's Super League title this year. Couple of major stories for you before we log off for the day. We move to the W League in the land down under. Canterbury United, in more ways than one, have been the surprise of this year. Have been towards the bottom for the last couple of years, and this year for two reasons, I believe. One, Michelle Heyman took more than a year off, retired found her love for the game again and is having more than a bounce back season and is just terrorizing, terrorizing opposing defenses, has them second in the table. She's scoring hat tricks now and in all likelihood going to work her way back into the Matilda side. She's likely going to take back her record for most goals scored in the W League. So Sam Kerr's record is, is in jeopardy once again, thanks to Michelle Heyman and what she's doing revitalized, rejuvenated herself. And it's great to see that in the W League 
having that team playing at such a high level. And on top of that, they made even more history in the coaching department, becoming the first club in Australian professional football to have an all-female coaching staff. And according to their manager, it wasn't to make a statement. It was simply that Australia is producing quality women's coaches who have earned their opportunities And they just truly believe that all of them had an opportunity to provide in this situation. And it's great to see. And we need more of this. Again, in America, if that that happened, it would be the most romanticized and media-published story of all time. And everyone would be hyping it up. Oh, it's the first time. This is a great moment. Whereas they're casually just like, no, it wasn't to make a statement. It was just to say we, they are qualified regardless of gender and that's what it that's honestly how it should be it should be the the most qualified regardless of gender and that's exactly you could tell what's happening down in australia great to see there canterbury united gonna be in that top four for sure looking to compete with of course sydney who have been on fire five wins from five games and uh, I think it's time for Princess Sabini to get the love that she deserves. If you don't know who she is, Princess Sabini Issei is one of the best young stars in the world. It's still only 21 years old. Again, family originally from Nigeria, now here in Australia. She is ready for greener pastures, I think. I think it's only a matter of time before someone in the NWSL or in Europe poaches her because she's really that good and has been the catalyst for them. 5-0 and through the first five games. Doesn't look like anyone's going to be able to touch them this year in the W League. So Princess Zibini, a player to watch, not only right now, but for the future. Again, just 21 years of age. Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. Last major piece of news to highlight before we log off. Over in Spain, and again, this it honestly sucks that like we can't get more or better video content of this, and like we really gotta scavenge the web to find it. But Kosovare Aslani, I believe the Swedish striker for Real Madrid, scored one of the fastest hat tricks in soccer history. She scored three times in 155 seconds. What? Are you kidding? And I mean, that's just the flow of the game. You could tell two of them were from set pieces, so that definitely helped. But the second goal she scored out of the three was a beautiful chip placed over the keeper. Definitely going to make our top five goals list, so be sure to check that out when it comes out. But yeah, Kosovare Aslani, the Swedish striker, 31 years of age, veteran, has been doing it for a long time. One of the best in the world. That pesky Sweden side will come up in the Olympics. Be, be sure of that, so be weary of her coming up in Spain and in Sweden. But as I mentioned, that is all that we have for today, guys. That was episode 39 of Give and Go. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com at Girls Soccer Net on Twitter, at Girls Soccer Network on Instagram, YouTube channel. We're there on all avenues, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. And it's Black History Month. Do not forget Black Lives Matter. Keep, keep educating yourselves. This journey's not done. All right, let's go, guys. Have a great rest of your February, and we will be back soon. Peace.